You're listening to Her Giant Leap, and I'm your host, Jennifer Garner. You can find me at my blog, yellowrosejenny.com, where I share some of my creative outlets. My passion is sharing the stories of women who are pursuing the dreams that God has laid on their hearts. They're women who put God first in their lives, and they may be dreaming big dreams, but they recognize that without following the path God has for them, those dreams will never succeed. I want to encourage you to listen to God's sweet whispers and see what he has planned for you. Surround yourself with women who are walking a similar path and create a community to inspire and encourage each other. Let's get going today. this podcast, I reach out to women who God directs me to. It's those women's stories that he's asking be told. They're everyday women leading their lives by putting God first. It's important that we encourage each other and build each other up on our walks of faith. Sharing our testimonies is important for others to see and hear. We take for granted that everyone else is walking a similar walk, but that simply is no longer the truth. Religion is on decline. Skepticism is strong. We must be more vocal about our faith and God's daily work and presence in our lives. I'm not talking about church attendance here. I'm talking about a real daily relationship with Jesus Christ. Jennifer Dennis is such a witness. Her faith is obvious to anyone who reads her blog, The Everyday Farmhouse, where she shares stories of living on a farm, raising a family that includes nine children, being a faithful wife, and honoring God on a daily basis. I'm so honored to have her on the show today. Welcome to the show, Jen. Thank you. Tell me a little bit about your family. And Okay. Uh, well, I'm Jennifer Dennis and I'm married to Ben. Uh, we've been married. This will be our 18th year of marriage in August. Uh, we have nine children. My oldest is 16. He'll be 17 in August. And my youngest is just a year old. So I can't say that we ever set out to have a big family. We just early in our marriage, my husband actually, God laid on his heart to, God prompted him to let God plan our family. <laughs> and we'd been married, I think, two months when he presented that to me. And I kind of laughed and tucked that down inside, like, I'll go along with this for a while. But, uh, you know, you let God plan your family, you might end up having 10 kids. It's really <laughs> what I thought. And so um, at the time I was on the birth control pill and I quit taking it. I was resistant at first um, and hesitant. And what's neat about my husband is when God lays something on his heart, he, he just prays and uh, he didn't push me or pressure me in any way. And God just changed my heart. I believe through my husband's prayer for me to be obedient to what God was telling him that our family should do. And I, I can't say that my heart was totally changed until we had a miscarriage between my first and second. And I think God really changed my heart then just that he's in control ultimately. And I can try to control things all I want, but ultimately he's in control. And it helped me just to kind of let go and realize that his plan, his plan for me would be the best. I can't say that I haven't fought it through the years. I mean, there's been times when I've 
questioned, is this really what we should be doing? I, I just don't know. It's, you know, society tells you so many things, you know, it's hard on a woman's body. It's too much. You can't possibly love all of them and, and all of those things. And I have gone to my husband many times, just, are you sure this is what we should be doing? And, and he's, he believes yes. And we pray about it. And God gives me peace in my heart again, that that yes, he has a plan for us and that we can trust him with this, that we trust him with our eternal salvation, that this is really something quite small in comparison to that. And so for us, for our family, this was something that we were sure God was telling us to do and a, a step of faith for us. I don't preach that everybody should trust God in that way, but for us, we know that he spoke to us and that this was an area where he really wanted us to trust him. You know, I look back, I think after our fifth, I had um, a little bit of trouble after him. And I just remember feeling like I need to be done. And when I look back on that, I, you know, talking to a close friend and expressing that to her, and she said, now's not the time to make a decision like that. You know, you just need to continue to trust God and pray about it. And, and God did give me peace. And I think, I think, oh my goodness, what if we had chosen after number five to not have any more? You know, there'd be these four people that I wouldn't know that are tremendous blessing in my life and just the blessing that they are to the rest of the children. I mean, I don't think anyone who doesn't know a large family or who isn't a large family themselves know the love that that new baby gets in a home. It's, it's unbelievable. Um, how much the siblings just adore this new person. And so it's a gift. And that's just a small part of our life that I think uh, so oftentimes people will be like, oh, you have nine kids and like that defines who I am, but it's not all that I am. You know, I, uh, there's more to, more to me than, than that and more to my husband than that. But that's just an area that we've chosen, chosen to trust and that that's the result of it. it. It could have looked like a barren womb as well. I mean, I think when you choose to trust God in that area, it doesn't always mean what I thought it meant. For me, yeah, I did it meant a big family, but for somebody else, it might be no children at all. And I think that's very difficult. Not to say that it's easy to have lots of children, but it's also easy to not have any at all. <laughs> so, I mean, I know friends that have had that struggle as well. So, it doesn't always look this way, it can look different. Take us through a day in your life with nine children and a husband. <laughs> well, first of all, my husband is incredibly patient and kind and supportive. And I don't think we would be, I know I wouldn't be the Christian that I am if it wasn't for his leading in our home. Um, he is an early riser. He gets up like four o'clock every morning. And part of that is just to prepare um, his heart for the day. And then he also prepares a Bible lesson for our family. I don't get up with him. I did in our early years of marriage and he, I'm not wired that way. And he could see that. And he said, go back to bed. <laughs> you know, I, I can do this. I can get my own breakfast. But as a new wife, I felt like, oh, I need to get up and make his breakfast. I need to be, you know, a good, a good wife. And for him, he doesn't expect to be served. And so I think that the dynamic of our marriage certainly helps in having a large family, that we do work as a team. I'm a pretty relaxed homeschooling mom. I mean, I, I'd like the kids to be up 
by 7.30 and getting started on their day. It doesn't always look like that. Sometimes it's 8 o'clock and I'm like, where, you know, the little kids, they don't have any trouble getting up. It's the big kids. Where are the big kids? And get everybody up. And we, we don't eat breakfast altogether. I think that's like an ideal that people have in their mind that, you know, you're homeschooling, you should have a home-cooked breakfast. We don't do it that way. My older kids all cook for themselves if they want something in the morning. You know, we might do oatmeal or something a couple days a week or we do cereal every once in a while. But nothing too formal. They do, everybody has their own assigned chores that they get about. So they're supposed to do their bees. Their, um, the bees that everybody has is body, bedroom, Bible, breakfast, brush, which is brushing and flossing your teeth and your hair. So that's their like morning ritual that everybody's supposed to do. And then they each have personal like chores to help around the house, cleaning up from after breakfast, you know, emptying the trash baskets, uh, emptying the dishwasher, that kind of stuff. So just chores. And then we also have a little farm. And so some of the kids uh, milk the cow, some go let the chickens out, that type of thing, just farm chores, feeding animals, giving them water, making sure everybody made it through the night okay, that kind of stuff. And um, Those are not small chores though. <laughs> no, it takes a while. Like our chore time, morning time is, you know, it's a good chunk of our morning is spent in chores. And then usually by 10 o'clock, we're starting on our school day. We all gather and uh, read the Bible lesson. We, we pray together and then we read the lesson that uh, Ben left for us for the day. And then I'll typically read to the kids um, history at that point. Uh, we'll read, right now we're reading George Mueller for history. Um, we've read all sorts of different history I like a literature-based approach to learning, and so we typically read just good biographies and autobiographies, and we've read through like the Story of the World series, that type of thing, just getting our history together. And then after that, we separate. The baby usually needs a nap by then, and we separate, and everybody kind of goes their own way, and the bigger kids pretty much have their schedule that they follow, and they are self-led in their schooling. They come to me if they need help with math or whatever. And then I do reading lessons and that sort of thing with the littler kids. And we all have lunch about noon and then afternoon naps. After that, the kids get free time from after lunch until about nap time and then naps for the little kids. And then the older kids can work, you know, more independently during that time when it's a little quieter. <laughs> so, you know, it's a typical, a typical day, just more people. I mean, I think you know, I start dinner four or five o'clock, whatever. And uh, we have dinner together as a family on the nights we're home. We try to be home. We've tried to manage that, limit most of our outside activities. The kids do one sport. Everybody does basketball. That's your choice. <laughs> you can do basketball or you can not do basketball. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's where we've gotten involved outside of the home. And the kids do theater. They're in, there's a Christian school about 30 minutes from us, and they get involved with theater there. And they have some ways to get out of the house as well and get involved with other kids, you know, we're not just here, but we try to be here. I, I feel like we haven't ever really gotten involved in co-ops or anything like that, just because I feel like we homeschool, we need to be home. <laughs> we need to focus on that. So it just makes life a lot simpler too. So Did you always know you wanted to be a homeschool parent? No, that was another area that my husband presented to me early in our marriage that God laid on his heart. And I, that was actually, yeah, before we even had children that he mentioned that to me. And I, again, felt hesitant. I, I'm, I rebel, <laughs> I have a rebellious heart. I mean, I just do. I am like that. I want to be contrary, I think. Um, again, he just prayed. And once our first son was born, I mean, I don't think anybody knows 
what it's like to have a child. I mean, you can't possibly know that prior to having one. And people could tell you what it's like, but until he was born and until I held him in my arms for the first time, I was like, oh my goodness, I had no idea I would love you this much. Like, no clue. And I think once he was born and once I held him in my arms, I didn't ever want to let him out of my sight. I mean, I felt so protective of him and just wanted to nurture him so much that uh, homeschooling after that was an easy choice that I wanted to be the main influencer in his life, you know, so it wasn't something, no, that I, I wasn't homeschooled. I, my husband wasn't homeschooled. Yeah, it wasn't a plan. <laughs> it sounds like your husband has been a great influencer and leader to pray about things and to um, listen to what is being laid on your hearts. Do you feel like that is a lesson your kids are picking up? And I sure hope so. I, I remind them daily. I, I, I say, <laughs> I don't know if you guys realize how blessed you are to be in this home where your father is present, where your father loves you so much, where he has sacrificed everything for us. I mean, he could, he could have taken a traveling job, you know, and, and gotten paid a lot more money and, and been promoted and promoted. Um, but he chose to keep a job where he stayed home and where he was home every night. And, you know, just he's chosen to pour his life into his children and to our family and just his devotion to teaching us from the Bible every single day. I mean, he leaves us a Bible lesson in the morning. He reads Bible at dinner. And then before the kids go to bed, he reads Bible to them. And yes, I believe they're very well grounded in that, but I don't know that they fully appreciate it. And I don't think they will. I don't think they will until they're grown. I don't think they will until they're out of the home, until they get more experience that this is a unique situation that not everybody has this privilege. <laughs> I don't think any of us know what privilege we have when we're growing up, you know, until. Oh, no. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, and that's the thing is as parents, we have to guide and lay that foundation, but it is a choice they inevitably have to make on their own. Mm -hmm. And as much as we want to give them our faith, we, that's not what we're all called. No. They have no. to decide that on their own, whether or not they have that faith. That's true. It's definitely true. <clears throat> we remind them of that, you know, regularly that our faith is not, it's, you're not going to get this um, by osmosis. It's not going to just be passed to you. It has to be your choice. And they're good kids. I mean, they have good level heads and I, I believe you know, that through prayer that I believe they'll stay on the right track. I'm not saying they won't make mistakes. I'm sure they will. <laughs> That's part of learning. That's part of life. But prayerfully, they'll stay on the straight and narrow path is my, my hope for sure. Absolutely. It's when my daughter, so she's the second, when my daughter was born, I, I hadn't really realized it when my first child was born, my son. But the, with my second child, I, it, it just struck me. I am just gifted this child for a short time, but she's not mine. And mm -hmm. I'm taking care of her, but she's God's. And I'm not quite sure why I didn't think those things with my son. It's a weird yeah. Yeah. Uh, parenting slight. But when that thought hit me, which I'm sure every parent has had, I knew, oh my goodness, but if she's just mine for a short time, it's a huge responsibility I have mm -hmm. to make sure that I'm presenting her back to him right. that, that I have done everything in my power to help lead her to him. But yes. I mean, at any time he can make her his own, but he, he wants her to make that choice. And what a awesome 
powerful responsibility we have as parents. Absolutely. It's huge. And it is. <laughs> so overwhelming. <laughs> are, your, are your older kids um, there? They have to be a little bit involved helping parent the younger kids. They do. I mean, they, they love the little ones, of course, you know, they still, our youngest is a year old. They still fight over like whose turn it is when he wakes up from a nap. <laughs> it's almost too much help. And my husband and I were just talking this morning. He's not walking yet. He's a year old and a um, little over a year old. And like he's not walking and I think it's like he has no motivation like somebody is always holding him always carrying him and yeah they are definitely you know to get out the door I you know just we need help <laughs> we need you know shoes are bought in pairs they come in pairs I don't know what happens after their purchase we can only find one shoe you know so they they're definitely a help I mean they'll get lunch for somebody you know if I'm doing a reading lesson and it's lunchtime they'll make sandwiches for everybody or you know whatever they're just they realize that they're it's a team effort around here and they enjoy helping. They don't seem to resent it. That's something that people will notice about us that I just take for granted. Like that's just how we operate, but they'll say, Oh my goodness, you know, you helped, he helped her put her coat on, you know, I would have to bribe my kids to get him to do that. And like, Oh, it's just, it's just our way of life. That's just the way we function. You know, that's, I don't think we even think about it. <laughs> it's just what we do. You've guided them well. <laughs> Well, they want to be on places on time too, so <laughs> I know. Gotta help. Well, so recently you've had a um, another project. I'm not quite sure what to what to yeah. label it, but another laid on your heart from God to to venture into blogging. You want to share a little bit about that? Sure. I have read blogs for, you know, probably ever since they started and I've always enjoyed it. My husband knew I enjoyed it. I would tell him about what I read here, what I read there. And I think so much of that was just trying to figure life out, you know, late 20s through your 30s, you're just figuring things out. And my husband always knew that that would be a good fit for me. And I write a yearly newsletter for our family and, and he always teased me and say, this is your blog, you know, this is your putting it all together. This is our year in review and writing about each child and that sort of thing. And just recently, I, I think I saw, you know, the blog course from Lisa Bass and I thought, I wonder if now's the time. And so I talked to my husband and we both just felt like, yeah, I, I could do that now. Now is a time in my life where I guess I realized I'm at a place where I felt like I could start a blog because I realized I'm not the young mom anymore. You know, like I, I feel like I've gotten to that place where, yes, I still have babies and that sort of thing, but I'm not... I was the one looking to older women. You know, I was asking the questions, how do you do this or how do you do that? I was a new Christian, a new wife, a new mother. And we were choosing a path that was different than the paths that, you know, neither of us grew up as Christians. I, I grew up, I, I went to the Catholic church, but I didn't have a relationship with, with Jesus. We were choosing to live our life differently. And I think there was so many areas that I just had questions about that I, I was seeking that. And just recently, I'm like, I'm not seeking as much as I used to, I guess. You know, I, I guess I need to back up a bit and just say, you know, we, we did choose things different. We chose to follow Jesus, for one. We, that, that's weird in our world, right? We chose home birth. Um, we chose homeschooling. We let God plan our family. All of those different things to where I felt like we were, you know, we were weird. <laughs> comes down to. Um, Certainly in the minority. Yes. Yeah. So 
you know, I just had so many questions. And then about seven years ago, we, God laid on our heart both at the same time, just this burden to move to the country. And, you know, I had a lot of questions during that time, but we've been here about seven years. And so slowly, I think I've gotten comfortable in my own skin and like realized that I'm comfortable with who I am. This, these are the choices that we've made. And I feel like people had started asking me questions about the way we do things, not in, in the way that it used to be. You know, 10 years ago, people would question what we were doing in a a way that felt like an attack. Like, well, why are you doing that? Or, you know, why do you have so many kids? Or aren't you done? That sort of thing. Or, you know, what you're having, you're having babies at home. Why, why do you do that? And all these questions that felt like an attack. Whereas now within, you know, 10 years later, it's more like people have come to accept who we are. <laughs> They've come to accept how we've lived our life. And there's not as much resistance as there was 10 years ago, I guess. Um, so I realized people were questioning in a way that they were just curious, you know, more than being rude or anything like that. A lot of the questions were the same questions that I was asking 10 years ago. You know, how, you know, how do you feed a family? How do you keep home? All of those questions that maybe I wasn't interested in growing up. And so, you know, my husband said, I, I think it's time where you could answer some of those questions where you could, you could have this creative outlet that he knew I needed. I just thrive on that. I thrive on creating. And so that's kind of how we got to this place where I've, I've raised, we've raised up kids that are capable and they can help so that I could spend, you know, now I devote nap time, whereas before I'd be preparing dinner and that sort of thing or cleaning house to where we're kind of at a place where we can maintain the house a little bit better. And I actually have this time in the afternoon where, hey, I could work on something. That's kind of how we got to this place, I guess. And I, I guess with the blog, I just want to share what I've learned over the past, I guess, 17, 18 years of being a wife, being a mother, being a Christian. Um, I'm not good at having a really clear focus on it. So I have a lot of ideas written down. And I think right now when I look at my blog, I'm like, I'm just all over the place, you know, like, I, <laughs> but I think with time, I'll probably have more of a vision and, you know, I have ideas for maybe every other Friday doing, I, I had started a women's group in our home just recently. And I thought, well, what we do here, I have several women that come, we really cram into our house and there's a lot of kids here. And I thought, well, I could start sharing, you know, what we discuss in our group. We're going through an Elizabeth George book right now. And I think it's one of the girls that comes to the group is very young. I believe she's just 21 now. Um, she got married and started having kids when she was 17 and she has five children already. She oh. had... Wow. Irish twins born in the same year. And then she had actual twins. Is yeah. She, she has overwhelmed. She, she's amazing. I don't know how she does it, but one of the things that she asked one night is, you know, if we could start a women's group, either we, we meet in our home, we home church as well. So another area that we're kind of strange, but she wondered if we could split up, you know, one Sunday night a month and have me just teach the women and my husband teach the men. And so I talked to my husband about it. He said, why don't you just start something during the week? You know, that would be a nice thing to do for the ladies. And so that's what I did just started that we've met just a couple of times now, but I thought oh, that might be a nice thing to share. She was just wanting, you know, she said, I feel like I still have so much to learn about being a wife and mother and just wanting some guidance in that way. And, you know, I think we forget that you do need that in the beginning, <laughs> When you're a brand new wife and mom, you need that guidance from older women. While I don't necessarily like to think of myself as an older woman, I am. <laughs> I am. I'm not 30. You know, I'm not. Um, I'm not the one that 
I still have questions, of course. I mean, we all do, but I feel like I'm at a place where I'm, maybe I can offer some answers to somebody. <laughs> that is wonderful. We were talking, another lady, Marnie and I, that who I interviewed in a past episode, and her feeling is that there's not enough mentoring or guiding from mm-hmm. older and older, whether it's 65 to 40 year olds and then 40 to those 21 year olds mm-hmm. or, or even the 65 to the 21 year olds, there's just not enough connection. Right. Um, I think it's wonderful that you are helping her. I can't believe she's as young as she is and already, <laughs> I don't mean in over her head, but you know, know. you can feel overwhelmed when you are young. Yes. It, yeah. it just even a, as a 21-year-old human, mm-hmm. let alone as a mother-wife of five children. <laughs> right. I know. And she, she just takes it all in stride. She does amazing. And, you know, she just realizes that, you know, she's different than her friends. She said, I don't have a lot in common with my friends anymore. Not many of my friends have children or even, you know, especially don't have five children. And so, yeah, it's just, it's good to have that. And with wanting to lead, my husband, you know, told me with starting the blog, just keep Titus 2-4 in the front of your mind that the aged women should, should be teaching the younger women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, all of those things, keepers at home so that the word of God be not blasphemed. And so, you know, that's what he asked me, you know, if you want to do this, just keep that in the front of your mind. And, and so I'm trying to do that just in life in general, just remembering that, you know, that's what I am called to do. That's, that's what God wants us to do as women. He, he gives us those experiences and, you know, that wisdom to share and to come alongside other women. So I think you're right. It's, it's a need for sure. And I think as society, we don't want to admit need. So I think for her to step up and say, this is something I need, we don't like to ask for help. Yeah, but we need to be willing to and be willing to offer it where we can too. Oh, absolutely. I want to, I want to go back to something you said and it may be more than this conversation will allow, but we can maybe revisit it in another um, sure. podcast. But you said you were raised Catholic, but didn't really have a great, didn't have a relationship with Jesus. Yeah. Um, how does that happen? And how can we help that not to happen? <laughs> well, I, I don't know. This might be a bigger conversation. Um, yeah, I, I did grow up Catholic. I grew up going to Catholic school. I feel like what I was taught was mostly tradition, I guess. And I don't know if it's that way for everyone. I never got from what I learned. We were never taught to read the Bible, I guess. That was part of it. We memorized prayers and we had, I I don't even remember some of the names of things. I don't remember if it was catechisms or what, but things that we memorized and, you know, history that we learned and we would listen to the priests, you know, teach I guess, from, from the Bible, but we were never really taught to read the Bible on our own. And so it wasn't until I was in my early 20s that someone presented to me. I had always just kind of hid behind the title Catholic when anybody would approach me about faith, about Jesus. I, oh, I'm good. I'm Catholic, you know. And somebody, it was somebody that I was dating at the time, he, he said, just because you're Catholic doesn't mean that you're going to heaven. It doesn't mean that you have a relationship with God. And kind of shook me up a bit that hiding behind a title of something, you know, we could hide behind any title. (laughs) I could be saying I was a Christian, you know, any brand of Christian and be hiding behind that and not have a true relationship. 
um, with Jesus. And so it was during that time and him presenting that to me that I realized I, I was, I was lost. <laughs> you know, I, there was another woman in my life at the time that also challenged me and, um, you know, presented me with some scripture and just talked to me about my soul. And uh, I, I came to the point where I realized that, that I, I didn't know Jesus, that I didn't have a saving faith in him, that I was trusting in myself for my salvation, that I was trusting in a system set up by man, that I wasn't trusting in what Jesus had done for me. While I knew about Jesus, I knew, you know, what he had done, the way that I perceived it was that it was like a guilt trip. Look what he did for you. Look what he had to endure for you. But there was never that place of accepting what he had done for me and it changing my heart. I don't know if that answers your question. (laughs) Well, that one, I mean, God, it works miracles because what a wonderful ex-boyfriend or Uh ex-date. You know, people saying things to us that we're able to hear that break through and and help us to hear that's to me, those are modern miracles that God is Mm -hmm. working in our lives. Yes. Um, I'm not sure I find such sadness in that story because I'm not sure that there aren't so many other people living that same existence. Mm -hmm. And Lord, how do we, how are we those miracles for people to reach Mm -hmm. those people and help them wake up and, and accept the grace that's been offered? Right. I think it's, yeah, you have to get out of your comfort zone. I mean, that's it. He, that the woman and and that boy at the time that presented that to me, they both had to step out of their comfort zone. They had to, I'm sure that there was fear that they were going to lose friendship with me, that they were going to offend me in some way. There had to be. I mean, we can't ever present you know, talking about a person's soul is very personal. <laughs> and, you know, there's always that fear of hurting someone or looking really strange, you know, if they don't accept what you're saying. Uh, so I think, but if we're, if we're prayerful about our daily walk, I think that we'll find that there's a lot of opportunities like that, that maybe we just push aside, like we don't want to walk in faith or in obedience to speak up when we should you know, that we're, we're too fearful. I think just living by the power of the Holy Spirit and being guided by that when he prompts us to say something, to ask someone, are, you know, do you, do you know where you're going when you die? I mean, that's a personal question, but if you're, if it's a close friend, you should feel comfortable being able to talk to them about their soul, even if it's uncomfortable. Yes, absolutely. I think a lot of people fear rejection themselves, Mm -hmm. even less so of offending someone although that is strong as well. I just think also, what if they reject what I'm asking and I have to walk away from that relationship because. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think what you said about them rejecting, I think that's because our faith, because Jesus and the Holy Spirit living in us is so much a part of who we are that we do feel reject. If they reject Jesus, then they are rejecting part of us and that hurts. And you don't want that. <laughs> no. And it's the most important part of us. So if mm-hmm. they can't love that about us, mm-hmm. how are they going to love the warts that come with me? You know, right. so it's a big fear, mm-hmm. but that's what we're called and we will be rejected. Mm-hmm. It will happen. Yeah. What would you say is the biggest concern you've got going forward in growing your business, keeping it focused on what God is calling you to do? 
How do you step out and do that? You know, I'm constantly going back and forth on my blog of what I'm supposed to be sharing and what, what do I put out as content? What's your biggest fear about how you're going forward, how you're going to grow the next year? Yeah, I just, it's just getting it all figured out. I had no idea how much work a blog was. No clue. I mean, just, (laughs) I've read blogs for probably 10 years and I I thought I'm a terrible time manager anyway. So in my mind, you know, these blog posts took five minutes to put together. Why can't these people post more often? You know, I I remember (laughs) thinking that about some of them. Goodness, it takes so long to put one post together and there's so much that goes into it. It's not just the writing of it. It's editing the pictures. It's, um, you know, doing any research that you need to do. It's doing all the links. It's figuring out how to run a website. I mean, essentially you're building a website. Like I am not technical. So this has been kind of an uphill battle for me. And then balancing it all with realizing that part of writing a blog is social media and you want your presence to be positive and being cognizant of that. So my biggest fear is that it, it will take too much time, I guess, to because I'm realizing to truly grow this, there's so much time that goes into it outside of just writing it. You've got to promote, got to make pens. You've got to get on Pinterest and get that whole thing figured out. <laughs> and, you know. well, and, and then what is that? What is the trade-off? Because your first fo- focus is not the blog. Right. So what, what kind of balance do I need to strike to continue growing this, but maintaining that it is not my first priority or even maybe my second or third? Right. It's just setting those boundaries and sticking to it. I cannot get on my computer first thing in the morning. I cannot because that would set my mindset for the whole day. Um, I might quick have a picture that I need to post to Instagram just so that I'm on there you know, do that quick and then leave it. And I can't check my blog. I can't get on Facebook to see what the groups are saying and that sort of thing until I know that I've done the things that I need to do that morning, that everybody is fed, that we've had our Bible time, that we've, that I'm at that place. And I really try to put it off until after two o'clock in the afternoon and then focus on working on it. Then, you know, some people are able to stay up late at night. I would love to do that, but Um, In our marriage, we go to bed at the same time. That's something that we've always done our entire marriage. And I think it makes for a strong and healthy marriage. And so I I don't do that. You know, where I'm wired that way, yeah, I could stay up really late (laughs) and work on it. I'm not going to. I'm not going to sacrifice that. That time with my husband, that time when we are able to talk and connect, I'm not going to sacrifice that for a blog. Yeah, I don't know. It's just setting the boundaries and sticking to it. And I think for every person trying to start that, it'll be different. And 10 years ago, I couldn't have done this. I I couldn't have separated mentally, I think. I tried to start a little business, just I was doing applique and I was selling at the farmer's market. And, you know, my husband came to me and he said, it's just taking, it's not that it's taking that much time for, you know, I was staying up late on a Saturday night doing the sewing and then I'd go to the farmer's market that, or it was a Friday night and then the Saturday morning. And he said, it's not just the time it's taking, it's that mentally that's where I was. I was thinking about it all the time. I was thinking of my strategy. I was thinking of the new fabrics that I needed to get, or I was running and getting things. So, so much mental space was being taken up with that, that it wasn't the time of my life when I could start a business. And so even now I feel like I have more wisdom so that I can balance it better, but it's still a struggle. It's a struggle to not think about it all the time, to not think about, oh, this would make a good blog post or, you know, so I'm just having to write it down when I think of it and then let it go and focus on what I need to be doing. The task at hand, you know, raising my children, I am homeschooling them. So I've got a full-time job. 
Yes, you do. <laughs> I mean, homeschooling is, and you're it not is. just homeschooling one child that you can no. say, hey, here, do the math, and I'll go run and do my project. You've got right. nine different minds that you are trying to help. Right, and I don't want them to see me. Even um, there's times during the day when, you know, they're all working that I could easily get on my laptop and, and, and work. Um, and I try to, once in a while I will, but I try to limit that too because I don't want them to remember mom as sitting in front of the computer all the time either. Uh, that's, and, and we try to limit, we do limit, we limit screen time. I mean, my teenagers, they don't have, they're not on social media. They don't have their own phones. I mean, another area that we're just weird, I guess, but they don't have all that. And, and there's a reason for that. We're trying to protect them while we can. And so for me to be a hypocrite is what I would feel like I was if I was on social media all the time, if I was on my computer all the time. So I just had to watch it and they support me. My oldest son does my editing for me. So it's kind of something that we work on together. He watched the blog course with me and, you know, helped me in the setup and that sort of thing. Cause for whatever reason, it's just more intuitive to that generation than yeah. it is to me. <laughs> So anyway, even though he hasn't necessarily done it a ton with no time and everything, it just comes to him. It does. They just, they can look at those things. And I think it's, I don't know. They, they just figure it out much more easily than I do. <laughs> so. I have so enjoyed talking to you. It has um, been really a blessing. And I hope that someone out there that is listening will have um, gotten a little bit of encouragement about listening to what God has laid on their hearts, but following that rather than the pressure of what society can throw at you and yes. um, keeping God our focus and, and seeing what he does in our lives. Yes. Well, I hope so too. I thank you so much for the opportunity to share my story and I thank you for what you're doing too and just reaching out and wanting to just, you know, shine as a light. I appreciate that so much. Lovely listeners. I pray that while you listen to today's podcast, you were in some way encouraged to listen to the gentle nudgings that God is placing on your heart. If you're thinking of pursuing your passion or your dream, do so with the faith that God is with you and each day is a chance to learn something new. Take that giant leap and see where you land. I look forward to returning soon with another inspiring lady and sharing with you her words of encouragement. If you're inclined, leave me a comment or share this podcast with someone who may benefit from hearing it. Until next time, take care.